0: Welcome to Not In A Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not In A Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, I'm interviewing Adrienne Calvo. Now, she is better known as Chef Adrienne to the people who have dined in her restaurants, the people who have seen her cooking on TV, the people who have watched her YouTube channel. She is a a chef and then also a media personality, somebody who has done so much in the culinary world. She started out in that world as a teenager, literally cooked for uh, people within the United Nations and uh, had a cookbook um, as a teenager. So did a lot of really awesome stuff there. That was several years ago. She is now a entrepreneur who has ran several different restaurants. That's another thing she did as a teenager, opened up a restaurant, uh, which is pretty interesting. Um, but she has a restaurant now in Miami. From that restaurant, she um, at one point on her only day off, Every week was flying around the country and producing a YouTube video series, kind of exploring the, the food and the culture of different places. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how she started in the world of of, uh, of culinary arts, how she has done so many things that other people have not done when it comes to opening restaurants um, at an early age, when it comes to expanding her restaurant uh, world during COVID, um, just just some really fascinating stuff there. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. You know, I've talked to other people in the food world before, and and it's just kind of that common theme of food bringing people together is always a a really fun thing to talk about. Yeah. So without further ado, here is Adrian Calvo. I'm here today with Adrian Calvo. Miss Calvo, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Hardest question of the evening. Just introduce yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Adrian Calvo. I am a chef, restaurateur, author, uh, podcaster, and TV personality.
0: A lot of stuff going on. Hopefully, we're going to be able to unpack a lot of that. Uh, I think kind of the the crux of what, what you've got going on, everything kind of revolves a little bit around food and some travel too, but let's kind of start in the very beginning. How did your your love for food and then making it for others start?
1: Uh, well, it's funny. i um I originally wanted to be a journalist, so I think that instinct for sharing and storytelling was always there. And I came from a, I was very fortunate to come from a family that you didn't need uh, a special occasion to to be surrounded by food and, and a moment to be centered around food and just a lot of food in front of you and lots of family and friends coming over. So the idea of food and celebration has always been front and center in my life, um, I took TV production and journalism all through middle school and high school, except junior year, I was put into a cooking class mm-hmm. by mistake. And uh, while I was waiting to get into my TV production class, Johnson and Wales University comes in. They're, they're one of the leading uh, culinary um, universities out there. So they come in and do a demo to the cooking class. And I always call that moment the lightning strike. Because it was there in my junior year that from that moment on, all I wanted to do was cook. So that was really the moment where I realized I wanted to be a chef. I
0: love it. I think I think that answer is going to answer a question later on. So we're going to put a pin on that response. And I want to just, something else I thought was kind of interesting when researching you was you, I think you're of Cuban heritage, but you're from Chicago, but then you Move down to Miami. I feel like it's normally the opposite. People start in Miami and then branch out into America. I think did did the calling just happen in Miami? I've been to Miami and I know there's a lot of lot of great Cuban food, a lot of great uh, Cuban people there.
1: Oh well, um, I mean, my family was uh, like my grandparents who were the ones that were from Cuba, fled Cuba right before communism took over. Mm-hmm. And at this time, we're talking about the mid-50s, not in the 60s. So mm-hmm. at, at this time, um, where there was a lot of industry and a lot of, uh, you know, it's the coming of age of industry in this country, uh, it was up north in Michigan, in Chicago. That's where you had the factories and motor factories. So many different factories were up there. Um, so they needed work. And they. this was when... This was in the time when people didn't care to have three jobs. It didn't care if you had to, you know, shovel snow, learn a new language, all of that. Um, and we didn't end up coming down to my, I was born in Chicago and everything. My parents are from Chicago. Um, it wasn't until they came on vacation to, you know, experience that warm weather and the sun and the beach that they were like, wait, we can live here. Um, wow. And it wasn't until then that we came down to Miami.
0: I love it. And it sounds like that you've, uh, I guess inherited some of that that work ethic that you're talking about from your your grandparents cuz now I want to talk about how at 22 a lot of people are you know maybe getting their first car getting the responsibility of maybe a, maybe a dog but you I think you started a uh your first restaurant at 22 talk
1: about that well it's funny cuz uh, you know I wasn't planning to be a restaurateur um and much less at 22 years old um, but You know, it's funny how they say, uh, you know, you make plans and God laughs, right? So (laughs) I was competing in in culinary school just to raise money for college. And throughout winning these competitions, uh, the judges were saying, they would ask themselves, how is this girl winning? Um, And it was the flavor of the food. And one of the judges says, you know, you need to collect these recipes and make a cookbook one day. And you know what? You should call it maximum flavor because that's what your food is. It has so much flavor. It's maximum flavor. So mm, there was a show called Montel Williams. He he used to go head to head with Oprah Winfrey at the time. Mm-hmm. And this is like 2000. This is about 2005. And I was on his very last show before he went right before he went off the air. Mm-hmm. And um, I was the youngest cookbook author in America. And he says, Holds my book in the air. We're doing a cooking demo. um, And I had chosen to do scallops out of the cookbook. And right before we go live on television, he goes, oh, my God, I hate scallops. And I wanted to die (laughs) because really you're going to the host of the show you pick to make what he doesn't like. So while I was dying, um, (laughs) the smell was great in the room, in the set. He tries the scallop, tries another one holds my book in the air and says, everyone has to buy this cookbook because this girl has made me like scallops. And I have spent all my life hating scallops. This, buy this book. Um, Long story short, I take the cookbook sales money. And since I didn't have that money to begin with, and this is back in the day when people actually bought cookbooks because they saw it on a show. And I said, let's risk it. Hey, let's open a restaurant. Um, Because I wasn't counting on making cookbook sales to begin with. So, I'm going to risk it all. I'm going to put my, all my literal eggs in one basket. But if it doesn't work out, you know, I'll just start all over again and continue to be an executive chef somewhere. 16 years later, we're still rocking and rolling.
0: <laughs> I love it. I, I, Montel Williams is a uh, an influential guy. I've got a Montel Williams kind of story too. My grandma loved Montel Williams because they actually were diagnosed with MS at the exact same time. They both have that. And and he was talking about all of these like holistic methods of, you know, helping with that. And she was trying all that. She kind of of stopped because I think he, uh, his holistic methods started turning into cannabis and she she wasn't going that far, but she tried (laughs) some of the stuff for a little while, but no, I, I, I like that. I think that's really cool. And I, I, and you're talking about being the youngest person um, to have a cookbook I think you were also the youngest person to I, I don't have all the details, but you cooked for for the UN, the United yes. Nations, which I feel like is is I don't that's scary all on its own, not just because it's a lot of important people, but all these people are coming from all these different countries, have all these different, you know, palettes, flavor palettes that they they like. And how did you decide what to put on that plate?
1: So th- that trip to the United Nations was as a result of winning a competition. Um, It was an Australian lamb competition. And uh, the Australian ambassadors were the Australian ambassador at the time was the host to the rest of the UN. Um, And in addition to the UN was uh, Bon Appetit magazine, CNN, people from Food Network, Mm -hmm. um, Fox News. I mean, it was so many people covering this event. And I was 19 years old cooking in the United Nations, which was Very overwhelming. Um, I had imposter syndrome, but I think well-deserved imposter syndrome because at 19 years old, there's no way that you could have the rapport that you need to, you know, to cook for such, you know, dignitaries and whatnot. But what that did do was open a world to a very young person that I would never have seen. And so it made me hungry for more. And I knew that it was attainable and it inspired me to work harder
0: i love it what did you cook
1: i recreated um the, the the winning recipe of the australian lamb which i still have on my menu at the restaurant to this day
0: i love it that's that's really awesome for sure and yeah. you know you talked about a little bit about food network i want to get into kind of a theme that i've i've heard you talk about before And, you know, this was a question I I wrote before I even started watching you on interviews. So I think it just shows how powerful that this theme is. Uh, It's something I talked to the uh, creator of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives about. And that is just about how food is a great equalizer. It's a great thing that brings people together. You know, you can can be fighting all day, but then you join together. You know, families join together for a meal in the evenings and kind of hash things out. So I want to talk about just how food brings families together, but then also your people from these other cultures, you kind of experienced that firsthand with, you know, your UN meal, and I'm sure you've been experiencing it throughout your career. So talk a little bit about uh, food and, and the the connection that it, it makes.
1: Well, I think it's the same as it was for me growing up. Um, I think that food is the language that everybody speaks. I think that uh, just as you said, you can have a rough day, you can be at odds with somebody doesn't doesn't matter what political stance you have it doesn't matter what religion you are but you know if somebody like if you if you break bread with somebody so so to speak Mm -hmm. it's just common ground no matter what um and to be on the side of service i think it's um for us culinarians it's it's just wonderful because we're on the side of nurturing i do think that whoever's a restaurateur or a chef you have to be a a natural nurturer by nature that sounds like a like a tongue twister but you know taking care of others has to come naturally to you because i i mean and then i think that is a beautiful thing and that's one of the things that food in itself represents it's caring and nurturing
0: yeah no i i agree i i love that for sure i want to talk about another thing that uh i guess is kind of out of the norm you know creating that restaurant at such a young age a little out of the norm going to the UN at, you know, at 19, a little out of the norm. Yes. Uh, you created, um, I think you started expanding your restaurants in in 2020 when a lot of people were, you know, pulling yes. back or shuddering. Talk about that. I feel like you do a lot of things that uh, a lot of other people don't do.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. It took me 13 years to even get the guts to contemplate expanding my restaurant. Um, and I, I believe in God's plan. And one day it was uh new year's Eve turning into 2020. Uh, and I have a no phone, no cell phone policy during service. So I'm on the line at that time and I'm looking through the service window. I have one of my servers just in plain sight looking at his cell phone and I'm like, Oh no, hell no. It's new year's Eve. You're looking at your phone right in front of me. We have a dining room full of people, you know, um, And he just comes up straight to me and goes, hey, Adrian, oh, my gosh, uh, this restaurant, it's a 270-seater, beautiful, on a lakefront, big fountain, beautiful, open kitchen, two private dining rooms. His brother happened to be working there. And he goes, you're not going to believe it. They shut down out of nowhere. And the whole staff is basically looting their wine wall. They're taking product from the walk-in coolers. Um, They're leaving tables like mid-service. They don't care. They're just, and I'm like in shock. And that restaurant was about two miles away from my old restaurant. And it just hit me. And I said, that's going to be mine. Mm -hmm. It just was intuitive. I don't know why I felt it. I don't know what happened. And New Year's Eve, I called a broker friend of mine who had been convincing me to expand for a better part of five or six years. And I just wasn't ready. And I kept telling her, a space will speak to me. It has to, like, it has to hit me. And that moment finally struck and I called her New Year's Eve and said, Hey, Sharon, um, have you heard of this place? Dot, dot, dot. Can you find out for me? Um, And she did two months later, Valentine's day, 2020. uh, I closed and that was after a hurdle because this was part of a big, enormous mall who they don't rent out or lease to independent restaurateurs. Now at this time, I have no backing. I have no financial backing. I don't have investors. It is me and it's the earnings that the restaurant makes. So I said, please look up my reputation. I'm in it to win it. Um, Miami loves me. I am here to serve Miami and I'm not gonna leave you hanging. So Valentine's Day, we signed the contract and less than four weeks later, the entire country shuts down, and mm-hmm. I thought, "Oh my gosh, what do I do now?" Yeah, it was very scary. So
0: I—I I mean, you're you're sitting here as a successful, successful chef and successful re- restaurateur. So I feel like you made it through. But what what did you do? What I mean, what was what was the plan? I think then?
1: everybody does. I, we I think that each and every one of us, no matter if we were opening a restaurant. Or shutting it down, or finding a new career path, or staying in the same and working remote. We were just learning to survive because nobody in our lifetime had weathered a pandemic that shut down the world. Um, all I took it day by day, and at this time, I had already like sold my previous restaurant, so I couldn't go back on my word. I can only move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always say, I you know, I start my day and I end my day, you know resting in the Lord's will and the Lord's plan. And I'm like, Hey, big guy up there, you know, if this is your will, please help, you know, enlighten me because this is probably one of the scariest situations I've been in. Um, and we just did what we could. We, we trained a great staff. I retained all of my staff. Um, we did to goes when we, when it was time to do to goes. we did, um, outdoor dining when it was time to do outdoor dining. And then we navigated it just like anybody else would. Yeah,
0: it Was it an extension of your previous restaurant or was it a new concept that you created? It
1: was It was exactly the same restaurant. We mm. just moved
0: it. I feel like that maybe helped a little bit given people already knew your restaurant rather than a whole yeah. new concept that people had to decide whether they were going to order from their their takeout from. So I, that, right. that, maybe that was a saving grace. So I, I love to hear that for sure. And I want to now ask you a little bit about, you know, we're talking to you as and this is kind of where we're, we're taking the pin out of what you talked about earlier. And that's as a, a front facing person, as kind of a media personality, what made you decide that that's something you wanted to do? You didn't want to just stick in the kitchen, making all of those, making Montel Williams love, uh, uh, love scallops. What made you decide you wanted to actually take it out uh, and, and have people hear from, from Adrian? Um,
1: I think it just happened kind of organically people asking me questions. Oh, how did you make this? Or what would you pair with that? And then it was just a natural evolution of me just explaining to guests and then watching them light up and of, Oh, this is how I came up with this dish. And then if you have it with this wine, you're going to see how it just like, you know, kind of opens up by, you know, either the dish or the wine. And they're like, Oh, wow. I've never had that flavor profile before. Or just telling them, Oh, I was inspired by this place, and I decided to bring it back. Uh, and just that connection of telling the story to to a friend, to a guest, to my family, and then just being enamored by again food—you know, front and center—I was in love with that, and I just wanted more of it.
0: Yeah. No, uh, I love that, and I want to. I want to get to one of the one of the many things that you've you've been involved with, and that's. I guess you had a a YouTube series called Searching for Maximum Flavor. We already talked about Maximum Flavor earlier, but talk about the YouTube series.
1: Uh, Yes. So uh, it all started from, how can I say it? started with I would only have Mondays off for 13 years in my previous restaurant. Mm. And, you know, about 2017 to 2018 or so, uh, my executive chef, myself and my husband would take a one day trip on a Monday to a city we had never visited before just to check out their food scene. And people thought we were crazy. I mean, nuts. So you get on a plane at 5 a.m. on Monday, and this was coming off the line of work on Sunday night after Mm. a grueling week, 5 a.m. plane on Monday, you know, devour a city and then come back on the last flight in and be ready to work on a Tuesday. But even though we were exhausted and I mean the I, the exhaustion was like bursting at the seams from us, right? But what we did come back with was just so much inspiration and perspective on other food scenes that were, you know, not prevalent in Miami. And there was such a benefit from that because all of a sudden our our specials were just something very, very refreshing that Miami wasn't w- wasn't exposed to. And that all came from traveling. And so I'm like, you know, I put that on the back burner. I'm like, one day when I'm able to, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to just do a completely unscripted show about this, you know, and searching for maximum flavor, which was Emmy nominated, um, five time Telly award winning was completely unscripted, which is crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you, you did everything in one day. How, how far did you, did you go? I feel like. You know, I've I've done some crazy trips, you know, like 38 hours to in Philadelphia and less than 48 hours to Las Vegas. But in one day, that's 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 wild. So how far how far did you expand out? The
1: worst that we did was Napa Valley. So, yes, Napa Valley on a Monday. We were in California and in Napa Valley by 11 in the morning so that we crossed the country. And, of course, it's three hours earlier, so that made it possible. 45-minute drive from San Francisco to Napa Valley. Hit the first vineyard by 1130. It was in. It was insane. And then, again, wine tasting all day, eating delicious food all day, and then catching the red-eye back, again, mm. to be 6 a.m. back in Miami on Tuesday, on the line by 11 a.m. But uh, that was probably the craziest. Yeah, yeah, crossing the country. In one day,
0: yeah, I I cannot imagine that. That uh, that takes some dedication. I I that, I yeah, I, I couldn't imagine that at all. And I and you talk about needing to do this because you did work six days a week. And what what makes you want to you know as a restaurateur now and somebody that maybe could step back a little bit and you know <laughs> let that executive chef handle things. What makes you want to continue to be so involved in that side?
1: You know, I do think that if you're a restaurateur for real like if you're a chef restaurateur, um, it's in your blood, it, Mm. it runs through your veins. Uh, you cannot just step back. Uh, right now I'm able to like do stuff like this, you know, it's a Tuesday night and Mm. I'm able to be on this interview where a couple of years ago I couldn't, you know, um, but right. I'm still wearing my black clothes from the restaurant because I just came from my restaurant. You know, I, Mm. I was able to cut out early, but I was there earlier. Um, and that's because it's not just about the food. It's all the little details that that encompass a guest experience. And that's from flowers at the entrance, flowers on the table, um, lighting, playlists. I, I, I always say playlists come second to food, you know, because they create the vibe, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're not there, all of those details that are so important to you start to wither away. So I always try to make sure I'm there.
0: Uh, I, I think that's that's awesome for sure. And I want to ask you, you know, you you started really young, so I feel like you you may have some great advice for, for those young people who want to get involved in in the culinary world. What what advice do you have?
1: Well, it's a beautiful career that's taken me all over the world and to meet fantastic people. Um and this career has taken me into the music industry, it has taken me into the sports industry um and now into you know media uh, and that's because to tie it back to what we were talking about in the, in the beginning of the interview food is front and center to almost everything you know it is common ground it is a binder it is a bridge um and if you want this life you have to really love it just make sure you really love it because it will take everything from you um, and it will take all of you to be successful. You can't be one foot in and one foot out. It will consume you. It, this will be like when, even on your days off, you will think about it. You will be getting phone calls, um, from restaurants and, and, or hotels, whichever way that you go into it. But, but if you love it, you know, if you have the why, you know, the how is, is not as important, you know, you'll do it. But yeah, you got to love it. That's
0: my, that's my only advice. Be sure that you love it. Yeah. And I love that answer. I I work in higher education and I mean, that, that's, that's what I say every day. You, you've got to find your why and you've got to find something that's going to make you actually want to do the career. So I, I I love that for sure. I think that's awesome. You ready for some, my favorite thing is to ask rapid fire questions and super hard questions to answer. And I want you to answer them quickly. You ready for a couple of rapid fire First question is what's your favorite dish?
1: Uh is that something that I make or something that I eat?
0: Either either one.
1: Taco Bell chalupa.
0: You you're answering to the rapid fires already I think. Some some dish that you just can't master.
1: Can't master. I haven't made it yet. I haven't and, failed yet.
0: I like it. What what what's a dish that you that people haven't lived unless they've had chef Adrian's blank.
1: Uh, Chef Adrian's Osobuco.
0: You're a professional chef, but what is something that you still say mom, grandma, aunt made the best?
1: I mean, really, almost everything that they make to me stays like as the best. Yeah. Uh,
0: I love that. And I think you may have already answered it. What's your favorite fast food?
1: (laughs) Taco Bell. I I mean, it could be Taco Bell in general, but yeah, because a crunch rep goes delicious. Yeah.
0: I love it. Well, that, that's all the rapid fire. You answered that pretty good. What, what's some, some things you've got going on. I, I looked, you've got so many different things just on your link tree. What's some things you got going on that you want to shout out between, I think that you've got a, a master class. You've got some, some wine things going on. Talk about some <laughs> of the, some of the, oh, some of the things chef Adrian has.
1: Um. See again, Uh. my love for storytelling and sharing and connecting with people. I create these, um, events like satellite events that are in my restaurant and uh you know expanding into the new space has allowed me to to create these events that it's not just about coming to dinner or coming to lunch I'm able to host these really intimate events where I'm talking to people about a specific subject and they're 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 joining me on this journey of multi-courses with, paired like this month uh, well, not this month, actually on Thursday now, I'll be doing a sake and sashimi masterclass. And we're going to learn the history of, of different types of sakis and how they came into pop culture. And I'll be pairing it with some very fresh, delicious sashimis, you know, yeah, I think
0: that's awesome. I want to ask you now, just as somebody in Miami, I, somehow I've talked to a lot of people in Miami. I, I talked to a guy who did move here as a kid. During the Cuban revolution, I talked to another author, a lot of people. So I feel like every time I talk to somebody in Miami, they've either got a story about, and this may be, I want to know whether they have came to your restaurant. They've got a story about Pitbull or they got a story about Gloria Have Either one of them came to your restaurant.
1: Uh, So it's (laughs) funny. I've actually been in a music video with Pitbull.
0: Oh, wow. It's
1: a good friend of mine.
0: (laughs) Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we've we've covered everything in a pretty yeah. pretty quick way. Uh, how can people connect with you? We've talked about your restaurant, but people down in Miami, what's, what's the restaurant called?
1: Uh, Chef Adrian's Vineyard Restaurant and Bar. And you can just find me on all social platforms at Chef Adrian.
0: I got you. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate your time.
1: The pleasure was all mine. Thanks for having me on, Jackson.
0: So that was Adrienne Calvo. Really appreciated her time, and her time is is valuable. She's still in that restaurant, day in and day out. She talked about why it's so important to to keep your hands within the restaurant if you're, I guess, a true restaurateur. You know, I uh, I I think that's really awesome. I think that uh, the passion behind it that she has is is really amazing. Um, I urge you to check out her restaurant if you're ever in Miami, I urge you to check out her video series. I don't know that she's continuing to do it right now, but there's a lot of really awesome videos on YouTube that uh, that I will link in the show notes as well. Follow along with her on social media. She's on a lot of different TV shows cooking. Um, she's running those master classes she's got a lot of really awesome stuff going on i know she'd love to have you on board there um but yeah I, I appreciate her being here i appreciate you being here uh check her out if this is your first time listening to this podcast or you haven't already please leave a five star uh rating on apple and on spotify that helps this podcast a lot leave a written review on apple even more amazing go follow us on instagram not in enough podcast Jacksnuff.com, not in a huff with Jackson up on Facebook. A lot of places to follow along. Make sure that you're up to date on previous episodes. Over a hundred of those um, episodes coming up. Some really amazing people. So look forward to seeing you next time. Take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think. Or hey, Maybe
1: even both. But until then, keep being awesome.